0: All right, good morning, guys. Hey, I'm going to get us started. Welcome to Dad U. So glad to see a room full of dads who are just striving to be faithful with the uh, the children in our home with the responsibilities that the Lord has entrusted to us. And so uh, thank you for being here and getting up early. And uh, hopefully you've got plenty of coffee and you're ready to go. I'm excited for our morning. My name is Wes Butler. I'm the director of family ministry here at the Dallas campus. And so uh, it's always fun to be in this room with you guys. Uh, this morning, we are going to get to hear from one of my really good friends, David Leventhal, is an elder here at Watermark. David and I uh, and our families were in community together about five years ago for about five years, and, and, uh, and so this topic this morning, I knew that he uh, would be uh, an expert, not just because he's an elder, but because I have benefited greatly from uh, just his uh, pursuit of community, pursuit of me and my family, and, uh, and just the way that we were able to grow together. So I'm really, really excited for you to hear from From David here in a minute. Uh, every month when we gather here at Dad U, what we really want to focus on is just reminding ourselves what our job is and what our job isn't. And so if you were here this past weekend, we talked a lot about the job and the responsibility of all of us as dads is primarily that our, our primary role is that of a disciple maker. We are making disciples, whether we like it or not. You are making disciples. The only question is what kind of disciple are you going to make? And yet at the same time, what we wanna be careful that we do is that we don't focus so much on, hey, am I getting a return on that investment or my kids uh, turning out the way that I want them to, but that we are really measuring our success as a disciple maker based off of the unchanging word of God and just saying, am I being faithful and obedient to what God is calling me to today? Because if we get locked in on how our kids are responding and, behave, and and their behavior, then all of a sudden they become little idols or little trophies, and, and we just we don't want to do that we want to make sure that uh, we are living for the approval of our God and not of anyone else. And so our, our aim of, of our discipleship is really just our own faithfulness. And we believe that faithfulness looks like four kind of different things. One is just, are we modeling our faith for our kids? Two is, are we being purposeful? Do we have a plan to train our kids in the truth of God's word? Uh, Model train pray, had to think about it. Uh, Are we praying diligently, consistently, faithfully for our children? And then finally, are we really resting in and trusting the Lord with, uh, with what's happening in the hearts of our kids? And so every month when we gather and we talk about different topics, we wanna just come back to that, Lord. What does it look like for me to be faithful today? How can I model my faith, train up my children, pray for them, and trust you, Lord, with the results? And so that's why we're here this morning, and I'm so glad uh, that you're here. So I'm gonna pray for us. David is gonna come up and share for a little bit, and then we'll have a panel of guys just to, to spend some time talking about um, community and how that plays out and why we need it so desperately within our, our homes and our parenting. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for uh, just your grace in our lives. Thank you for these men and, uh, and just for their willingness to be here early this morning for their desire to be the dads that you've called them to be. I pray that you would encourage their hearts, that you would strengthen them, that uh, through David's words, through uh, the conversation we'll have at the panel, through the conversations they'll have at their table, Father, that your spirit would move. And uh, and Lord, that you convict us of areas where we need to grow, areas where we can excel still more in, in um, the way that we pursue our children, the way that we pursue uh, the, the brothers and sisters in our community groups. And uh, and Father, uh, and so Lord, I pray that you would use this however you see fit. So Lord, thanks for the table leaders that are here and, and ready to lead discussions. Thank you for David and his preparation and the other guys. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that you will be glorified and honored to our time this morning. In Christ's name, amen. amen. David Leventhal. Amen. Hey, buddy.
1: Good morning, man. Real quick, by way of introduction, uh, as Wes said, I'm David Leventhal, and I get the uh, privilege of getting to serve on the elder team with uh, Bo and Dean and Brian and Todd, and uh, it is a gift to be here this morning with you, man. I'm, I'm, I hope you were as encouraged as I am to look around this room and see I don't know how many hundred men, up early, coffee in their system, wanting to learn how to be better dads. I think we've got a picture, just to give you a little picture of my family. I've got uh, seven kiddos. Um, My wife and I, Missy, have been married for uh, 20 years. Uh, As you can see, five biological and two adopted. I'll let you figure out which ones are biological, which ones are adopted. Uh, Our oldest is 16, so we've got a new driver in the house, which is um, fun and a faith journey for us, Uh, all the way down to Madison, who's two and a half, and uh, and so we have been uh, at Watermark since it started in 99. We came to Watermark, we were newlyweds, had no children. Uh, we'd been married about a year. Didn't really have uh, much of a clue what we were doing other than the fact that we knew that um, God's word was sufficient. Uh, Jesus had transformed our lives and we wanted to be a part of a local church that was gonna call to something great. And so as we've entered into parenthood uh, a couple of years later, uh, we have been surrounded and been in this this community thing, and it's looked a little, it's looked different over the years, but the one constant has been um, that we have had faithful men and women uh, walking alongside of us, helping us try to figure this, this thing called parenting out. So as I get, we got a little bit of time this morning, I wanna uh, just go through some really basic things. I think sometimes we get, we, we uh, trick ourselves into thinking that there must be some secret tip or, or, or trick or technique uh, to raising kids and the reality is, is it's, it's blocking and tackling there are no there are no secret tricks and if you've got kids you, you either know that or you're learning that uh, it's blocking and tackling Ecclesiastes 1 Solomon the wisest man in the world reminded us that um, that what has been is what will be what is done uh, what has been done is what will be done there's nothing new under the sun is there anything of which it is said see this is new it's already been in the ages before us so there's No, nothing is new. And so when we think about how do we parent in community, we're gonna go back, I wanna just spend a a couple minutes on some, what I would call basic fundamental um, blocking and tackling as it relates to parenting in community. Um, So we're gonna talk about kids in community. The first thing we wanna talk about is the fact that we wanna keep it biblical. So uh, there'll be four items. The first one is keep it biblical. What do I mean by that? When we're in community, we're should uh, we not Dr. Phil, we're not Oprah, uh, we're not the New York Times bestseller. We wanna go back to God's word. 2 Timothy 3, hopefully these passages are ones that you have committed to memory. And if you haven't, I would encourage you to commit these to memory. Uh, All scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, adequate for every good work. Hebrews 4, 12, 13, for the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, no kid, no parent is hidden from its sight and all are naked and exposed before the, in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Uh, when you are in community, if your feedback is not grounded in scripture, either in a command or in principle, um, then there's a decent chance you're espousing whatever is the latest and greatest in our culture. Uh, and that's not helpful. God's word is sufficient. Now, the reality is, is when I'm in community, I can't, um, I can't keep it biblical if I'm not in God's word. And so there's this component to this that uh, we need to be men who are in God's word. And that, uh, that's hopefully, uh, hopefully you've heard that from here uh, at Watermark before. But in order for me to serve and to love the guys and their wives that I'm in community with and their kids, I've gotta be a guy that's in the word. When we think about community, we need to remember that uh, we are a part of the body in Christ. Sometimes we think about, hey, I need to be in God's word so that my soul can be shepherded, so that I can abide with Christ. And that's true. But there's another reality, which is, I need to be in God's word because I am a part of the body of Christ. And the men and the women that I'm in community with, I am responsible for helping to shepherd them and to help them think biblically about their marriage, about their kids, about their work, about, about everything. And so there's this responsibility that I have on me as a member of the body of Christ to be in God's word so that I can be useful to these men that I'm partnering with. One of the things that I've, I've I'm in the very early stages of just kind of unpacking in scripture is how often in the epistles, and right now I'm kind of looking at Paul's epistles, how often he uses uh, second person plural, you plural. Uh, and, the, and the reality is, is, it's a shocking number of times in the epistles that he uses the plural of you. And I think he's doing that. I'm still kind of unpacking all this because he wants us to know, he's trying to communicate to us that we are a part of the body of Christ and unity is important. And so when he, t- when he talks about things like in Philippians 2, where he talks about uh, Jesus uh, humbling himself and taking on the, the form of a man. And he says, uh, have this attitude in yourselves, which is that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very uh, nature, uh, form of God, did not consider a quality of God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. That have this mind among yourselves. That's plural. And all throughout that passage, it's plural, plural, plural. And his point is, is that we, uh, we move towards Jesus, not singularly, although we do as individuals, but Corporately, as a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ. And in your community group, in your four or five other families, you are studying God's word. You are uh, trying to be God's man, uh, not just for you, but for the community group. So you, we gotta keep it biblical. If you're not studying God's word daily, man, I, that would be the thing I would say, take away from this. Get into God's word. It is sufficient. journey.com if you don't know where to start jump in with us in our, in our reading plan, but be a man of the word. Your feedback in community should be based in scripture in principle or command. The second thing, as we think about parenting in communities, we wanna initiate and we wanna inquire. We wanna initiate and inquire. We must be willing to boldly initiate discussions about our struggles, our fears, our insecurities, about our kids with our community. So it's on me, it's on me to disclose What's going on in my life? What's going on with me individually? What's going on with me and uh, my bride? And what's going on with my kids? I am responsible for volunteering that information to the guys that I'm, served, that I'm in community with and, and their wives. Okay, I need to initiate. Uh, and then we need to be fearlessly, we're willing to fearlessly inquire, which puts the onus on the other men in the group, to inquire about the struggles, the fears, the insecurities of my kids. So I'm responsible To initiate and to to self disclose when things aren't going well. And, And as a member of the community group, as a member of the body of Christ, I'm responsible for asking those men those kind of questions. It's both and. And I was just thinking back about the last six months or so of our community group, just trying to think about what are all the topics we've discussed relative to parenting? We've discussed. Uh, how do we think about baptism for our kids and membership? Like, do you, how, how much do you encourage? How much do you sit back and let God stir their heart? We've discussed um, sometimes seasons of deep discouragement with kind of kids that are harder to parent. You know, so I've got seven kids. Bo has got six kids. Todd's got six kids. Bucheck's got five kids. We've got a lot of kids in our community group. Dean and Tawny are, are in the stage of grandparents. And so we've got a lot of kids. And there's been discussions about kids that are really hard to shepherd. We've got uh, dis- discussions on processing the purchase of a car for one of the teenagers. How do we think about that? How, do we, how much money is enough? And how do you balance things like safety, the newer technology with just cost and processing that together? Upcoming college choices. We've discussed uh, things about pornography and masturbation. How do we parent our kids through those struggles, through the, what the culture says is normal? Those are, and that's just off the top of my head. Those are things we've discussed in detail in our community group. And some of those things I've initiated, some of the things other people have initiated, and then you just double click on it. So we need to initiate and inquire. We are our brother's keeper. We are responsible for helping shepherd the men and women and their kids that, we, that God has entrusted us in community. And sometimes in community, And in parenting, oftentimes, it's not so much about my kids as it is about me. And a lot of parenting is, how am I responding to what my kids are doing? How's David's heart, right? We talk a lot around here about drawing a circle around yourself and asking God to change everything inside that circle. And so frankly, a lot of the discussions on parenting and community should revolve around what is God doing in your heart? Because God has given you that child either biologically or through adoption or through marriage. And they're gonna do what they're gonna do. How am I gonna respond when my 14-year-old daughter sasses at me or when, I'm, when my son is really struggling and it brings that insecurities in my life? So we should always be asking one another, how are we doing? How's our heart doing? So we, we wanna keep it biblical. We wanna initiate and we wanna inquire and we wanna deal with our pride and our preconceived notions. And this, if there's one thing within this context of parenting community that I see people get tripped over more, it's this right here. There are a lot of ways to skin the parenting cat, okay? Most community groups get sideways because folks get confused on the differences between a sin issue, a conviction issue, and a preference issue. And people get sideways, so let me unpack those. As I think about uh, our community group, there's gonna be things that come across our plate that are sin issues, right? For example, Ephesians five, Paul says, let there not be a hint of sexual immorality among us. That's a sin issue. And so I know if one of my kids or one of the kids in, uh, the the group, uh, one of the other kids, for example, is struggling with pornography. I know that's a sin issue. God has spoken clearly on that topic. And so we can go hard to the hole on that topic. That's a sin issue. We want to help you uh, help each other navigate sin issues with our kids. And we should go hard to the hole on that because God's been clear on that. Sin issues. There's convictions. Now, this is sort of uh, my definition. Here's how I think about a conviction. This is a personal. This is a belief that's informed by Scripture, that deals with sin on a personal level, not a universal level. So think like 1 Corinthians. I think it's 1 Corinthians eight. Paul talks about uh, there are some who won't eat food meat that's been sacrificed to idols, and some are like, "Well, it's not a big deal. It's just it doesn't. There are no other gods." And so from my conscience, I'm not bothered by that. But there are other believers who would say, no, that for me, that's a conviction. I feel like I would be sinning if I were to eat food sacrificed to idols. And Paul says, great, that's fine. Both of you were okay. And the, the, uh, the more mature believer should defer to the weaker brother. But the point is, is that you can have a guy who says, this is not sin for me. This is a personal conviction that I'm okay with it. And so things like this in community would be like, Um, we have prayed and we have processed and we feel like it would be sin for us to allow our kids to date while they're in high school. That might be a conviction. We feel like it would be sin for us if we didn't send our kids to public school, private school, homeschool. We feel like it would be sin for us if we didn't require our high school kids to come to church with us because we feel like God has given us and while they're under our roof, we feel like we... like. And so those are convictions. And I might have a conviction that might be different from your conviction, okay? And the key is knowing, is it a sin issue or is it a conviction issue? If it's a conviction issue, then there's, there's freedom of opinion. Okay? And then there's preferences. These are decisions where there's complete freedom in scripture. You pray, you process, and then you make a decision. Things like this. Should you get your kid a cell phone at 13? 15, 17, never. Uh, vacations. Are you a mountain guy, a beach guy? Do you like to camp in a tent? Do you like to stay at the Ritz-Carlton? Social media. Should you allow your kid to have an Instagram account? Should you not allow your kid to have an Instagram account? Gifts. Should you buy your kid a car at 16 or should you make them earn it? Those are preferences. Like there's there's a ton of freedom to land in a different spot there. And where we get sideways in community is we start to think that preferences are convictions, or we make convictions sin issues and we get sideways with one another. And so if you wanna be helpful to your folks that you're living life with, you should ask yourself and help unpack, okay, is this a conviction or a preference? And if it's, a, if it's one of those bottom two, then it's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay to process it, to read scripture, to pray about it and to land at a spot that's different than, than, than I land. That's okay. And I've seen more uh, anxiety and discouragement and frustration because on, on conviction issues, like, man, I don't understand why they send their kids to public school. That's like sending them into the lion's den. And they're like, I don't understand why you send your kids to private school or homeschool. Like there are lost students at JJ Pierce high school who need the gospel and you're coming at each other and you're thinking like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go hard to the hole on this. And you forget that, look, it's okay to have a different opinion. We should ask questions. We should try and help each other uncover motives because that's important, right? Uh, even in preferences, you want to ask like, okay, well, so what's underneath that? And all things being equal, if there's no sin issues and you think, okay, I, I land in a different spot, but okay, if you, if you want to buy that kind of a car, I wouldn't spend that kind of money on it, but I, I've seen how you're giving. I know what your income is and you can afford it. I wouldn't spend that much, but it's okay if you do it. And then not be upset if people don't do exactly what you say. Sometimes we get so discouraged and, and tied up when people, we give people counsel and they decide to go a different direction that scripture gives them, all of a sudden our feelings get hurt. Well, they're just not teachable. And so we've gotta make sure we keep those things in the right categories: sin, convictions, and per, uh, preferences, okay? So we're gonna deal with our pride and preconceived notions. And the last thing um, is we wanna support one another in prayer. Now. Uh, Todd, I don't know if you remember, we did that series, how how he built this thing. Week one was on prayer and he kind of mentioned this. I felt a little bit bad because he said, you know, sometimes you put prayer at the end. It's like, well, of course you want to bathe all of this in prayer and of course you want to bathe all of this in prayer because the reality is for your kids, for my kids, unless the Spirit of God does a work in their heart, it makes no difference what I do. Now, I say that while also saying it makes a ton of difference what I do, right? I wanna be, I don't wanna put an obstacle in front of my kids to come to Jesus. So I wanna do everything I can to make the path, you know, the narrow path clear of obstacles. Now my kids are gonna have daddy issues because I'm a jacked up dad. Uh, And so what I wanna try and do is minimize as many as I, I can so that when they get to regen, uh, in their early 20s and they're, and they're unpacking dad issues. There's just less of them because I, I, I walked with Jesus in the context of the community and that kept me from making dumb decisions or as many dumb decisions as I might otherwise have made. But we wanna support each other in prayer. Know the names of the kids in your community group. Hopefully that's obvious. We've got a lot of kids. That's a lot of names. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation by name. Pray for solid Christ-like community as they get older, as the kids get into junior high and into high school. Pray that God would give them just one person who's committed to walking with Jesus that they could lock arms with. You don't need 40. You just need one or two guys or gals to walk with you in high school to help give you courage. Pray for their sexual purity. Pray for any special needs, any learning challenges, any racial bigotry that your kids may face or that other kids in your community may face. We've got some, uh, uh, as I mentioned, our kids are adopted from China. The Fournets have adopted kids from Africa and then through the foster system. Uh, kids that look different. Kids that experience uh, racism in a way that I don't. And so we wanna pray for those kids as they go into these environments and they look and, and there's still bigotry today. We wanna pray for that. We wanna pray for special events milestone events, you know, the first day of kindergarten, D-Town, you know, we were praying like crazy for our kids we weekend to D-Town. Um, first day of high school, their first wake small group experience, their first semester of college, their, honey, uh, their uh, engagement and a wedding period. We've been through that a couple of times with, with uh, Todd's kids as they've gotten married here recently, a couple of them. You wanna pray for their future spouses. You wanna let your community people know you're praying for them. It's a simple text. Hey, just want you to know, I was out for a walk this morning and I prayed, for, I prayed for your kids by name, to remind folks that we're in this together. And if we don't pray for our kids, listen to me, if the spirit of God doesn't act, nobody comes to Christ. And so we best be men that are praying for our kids and for the kids that you are charged, that I am charged to shepherd with those other parents. Okay, so we're gonna keep it biblical. And I'll see the the fun little acronym I gave you guys this morning. We're gonna keep it biblical. We're gonna initiate and inquire. We're gonna deal with our pride and our preconceived notions about what is convictions, what is sin, what is preferences. And we're gonna support one another in prayer. Kids, okay? Let me pray for us. Let me pray for you and for me. And then I think Wes is gonna have the other gentleman come up on our panel and we'll we'll move into that, okay? Father, we... uh, We know the task of parenting is uh, is just a a huge task. It can be overwhelming at times. It can feel like um, sometimes we're drowning. And so we just pray uh, that you would give us wisdom as we shepherd one another in community, as we seek to honor you in the way we parent our children, in in the way we love one another that you have put us in community with. I pray for... Uh, maybe men this morning who have been in community and have not led well, uh, that they would feel uh, not shame or guilt, but encouraged that they might go back and, and confess their lack of leadership. They might seek forgiveness and they might ask uh, for grace to begin to lead differently in the weeks to come. Father, I pray for all of the children that are represented in this room, all the grandchildren. Father, we know that, the road is narrow that leads to salvation. We know that unless you call, unless you quicken the hearts of our teenagers, of our elementary school kids, of our infants, of our children that are in utero, um, Father, they will not come. And so would you open up their hearts to the glories of Christ, to the, the, their desperate, deep, irreconcilable need for Jesus. Father, I pray that out of this room, out of this room, there would be children that come that shake the kingdom of heaven, that there would be evangelists and teachers and pastors and surgeons and whatever other vocations who are passionate about living for you because of the way their dad modeled, prayed, served, removed obstacles that would bring them to you. Father, thank you for how you have quickened our hearts, how you have called us to yourself. Thank you that though we were blind, you gave us sight, that we were lost and you found us. We were dead and you made us alive. I pray that if there are any in this room this morning who don't yet know you, that this morning you would speak to their heart, that they might come to the end of their selves, they might confess their need for grace and for mercy and for forgiveness, and they might come to the cross. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. Amen. Awesome, David. Thank you so much, amen. brother.
1: Um,
0: so much uh, just gold there. I hope you had your, your pens out <coughs> taking good notes and, and uh, just reflecting on your own uh, experience within community. Uh, I want us to, as always, what we try to do is just kind of interact with that material, with guys who are uh, who are living it. And uh, and so I want to introduce you to our panelists this morning. Uh, so down here, we've got Adam Hammock. Adam and Sarah have been married for 14 years. Here's their beautiful family. They've got four kiddos, Harper, Sydney, Tess, and Towns. And uh, they look like they're having all kinds of fun. Uh, and so they've been hanging out here at Watermark. You're going to hear their story here in a minute. I'll let them share. But they've been at Watermark since 2007, kind of off and on uh, because of job moves and things like that. And so, um, and then they've been in community with uh, Mike and Veronica Netzer and a few other uh, couples. So this is Mike and his wife, Veronica. They too have been married for 14 years. They've got four kiddos as well. Uh, are you guys, man, it's like the same family. I just realized that. Uh, so we got Brooks, Elliot, Shepard, and Scout who are all almost exactly the same age as uh, Adam's kids. So I'm not sure how you guys worked that out, but well done. Um, and they've been here at Watermark for the last 12 years and leading and merge and foundation groups and a lot of different uh, places. I first met uh, these guys when their wives were on staff here uh, with us several years ago. And uh, so, and then uh, my buddy, Scott Coy, if you guys don't know Scott, Scott uh, served as an elder here for uh, many years. And then has been on our staff serving with our community team uh, and has been living this community thing for a long time. And so uh, Scott and his wife, Susan have been married for 38 years. They've got a son, Steven, Mm -hmm. who's 35 and married to Chelsea and they have a daughter. Is that right? No, they have three daughters. Yeah, there you go. We got another girls. And then, uh, then you have a daughter. I uh, do. You didn't tell me your name. Why didn't you tell me? Sheridan. Oh, there it is. Sheridan. And she's married to Ben and then you've, your boss to five grandkids? You make them call you boss? I do. Okay, good. Well, I just... (laughs) You can file that one away if you're looking for good granddaddy names. I like that one. That's a good one. Um, And then you guys have really, you you all have been in the same, essentially the same community group for 24 years, kind of at least some of the, the core pieces of That's, that community. That is group.
2: correct, yeah. 24 years.
0: So, uh, so we're gonna get to hear and learn a lot from, uh, from these guys. So as we get started, I'd love to just let you guys, Adam, Mike, share a little bit about your community and kind of the history of how you guys got in community together and, and all that. So I'm just gonna toss it to you guys.
3: Yeah, um, all right, thanks. So Mike and I have known each other for you know, 12 years, essentially. Our wives worked on staff right when we were first married and first to Watermark, kind of around... 2007 Um, We were both coming out of foundation groups um, Kind of three years and under Newly married, no kids And we had a lot of time on our hands And (laughs) rolled out of Foundation groups um, Joined community with them uh, The Shipleys, Blake and Aaron Shipley um, And there's been a few Other couples kind of in and out over the course of the last uh, Ten years But that's essentially how it started
4: Yeah Yeah, so man. Yeah, so I didn't realize this when we were talking about with Wes, that we were, we were pregnant when we joined the group. Y'all were pregnant when we joined the group. I think one other couple was pregnant. And so, you know, right from the get-go, we were doing new parent stuff, which is, everyone knows here, is, is really hard. And so what that looked like for us is just obviously a ton of prayer. Um, we had a couple that he mentioned, the Shipleys, that had struggled with some infertility, so we had to walk through that uh, with them and just a ton of prayer. That was a really, really hard time for them. But um, you know to their credit i remember one specific time was that you know we had i think probably a two or three month old or whatever the case may be and you know you're not sleeping and so uh Aaron, shipley bless her heart came over and watched the kids uh or the kid brooks for the whole night uh while he was up uh and enabled me i'd been getting up with him veronica had been getting up with him so I think I slept probably 10 or 11 hours straight. Um, and that was just a real tangible, tangible physical provision that we had for them. Uh, just yeah. one example of that at an early age.
0: Yeah. And you guys both moved away uh, for a period of time for work and things like that. And tell me, tell them about what we talked about the other day of just what drew you guys back here and, and uh, just a little bit of that story. Yeah. So
3: we're, um, we're from Sarah and I are from Oklahoma city area and uh, took a job in Oklahoma city about, um, you know, we'd been, at Watermark, and here for seven or eight years, and we took a job in Oklahoma City. Uh, kind of thought we were going back home. My family's there. Sarah's family was all there, you know, high school and college friends and all that stuff. And we really felt like that was kind of the move home. We were going to plant the flag and and be there for good. And we got there, and you know, it was it was fine and it was great. And you know, there's a lot of things we loved about Oklahoma City, but we just just kind of felt um, isolated. You know, we just didn't have what we had here with you know, with our community and with Watermark and sort of the, the larger church that we have here. So we continue to just pray like, Lord, if, are you, um, we know you called us here. We were faithful to sort of you know process that decision in community and um, uh, with friends and family and, and knew that we'd been called to Oklahoma City and, and were there and we thought, well, Lord, maybe you've got us here for a couple of years and are calling us back. And so again, we kind of started to process that and pray with, um, pray about it and, shared with our community group kind of what we were thinking. And when and, and we did. And the Lord really was, uh, you know, thankfully the Lord made it clear to us that it was just time to come back. And really the draw was, um, you know, and, and not to plug community too hard, but it was, you know, the Netzer family and the Shipley family and the church family at the time and the Traxels and just different um, groups that have, or different families that have been a part of our community over the course of kind of, the, kind of that time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So good. So, Scotty, uh, or can I call you boss during this? Be great. You may. You okay, may, Wes. Good. You may call uh, me. It's a uh, select group. It though. is a select group. Okay. Uh, so, 24 years of community. Talk, uh, Share kind of with these guys the snapshot of what that uh, has looked like today. And, and, you know, most recently as your kids are now grown and you're doing the grandkid thing and all that. But just give us a, a, a glimpse into the koi. Uh, community world. Journey? uh, Yeah. It is
2: is a little more of a journey. Sure. You know, I have a couple of buddies out there that have experienced the same thing. Coming out of uh, uh, different models of community, we came and joined up with this effort 20 years ago, and we came a little bit out of a um, supper club mentality, Uh, a a former church, wonderful people, but we never... We're really kind of leaning into one another in such a way that would uh, cause us to grow or trust Christ. And then when we started this whole model at Watermark, the three couples kind of looked at each other and said, it's it's time to turn this game up a little bit. And um, not everybody came with us in in this journey, but the three couples stayed together. (coughs) Excuse me. (laughs) That's old age. (laughs) Uh, And so we have been... Taking this journey for the last twenty years of, of kind of looking at the model of community, of trying to apply scripture, and so we've been a living uh, test tube, if you will, as as elders when we were wrestling with, the, with the things that we think should be incorporated into a healthy community, to learn the difference between negotiables and non-negotiables. Something, some of the stuff that David was talking about, uh, which things are absolutely essential to community, and which things are not essential to community. We continued to grow and then we, you know, added a couple other folks. The youngest person to our group, or the the longevity, is 15 years. Yeah, Uh, and then I also had the privilege of being in community with the elders for 10 years plus. Yeah, so I was actually. Two communities, try that one on for a while. <laughs> That's
0: good. And so talk talk to them about just some of the fruit that you've seen in specifically your kids' lives and then the lives of their kids and just the relationships within that community.
2: Love to. It may be one of the greatest benefits. Um, I, I do not have extended family around where my kids had the privilege of aunts and uncles. Uh, and Susan is an only child. So she offered them no aunts and uncles close by. So our community basically has become uh, our aunts and uncles to our kids. They, from a very early age, grew to trust those adults who, that were in our world. Uh, and they've been a very significant part of the entire journey. They, they were there at different key times when an aunt and uncle would be there. You know, our, our holidays were always our community groups. Our, our times of stress or our times of celebration were community. So our kids, you know, like my son who's now 35 has grown up with a Malcolm Holland uh, or a, you know, Brett Johnson in, in many regards, Todd, because he picked them up early. They were around, so they could always go to them. Uh, and, and so when they couldn't feel or they didn't want to go to their parents because they were too embarrassed, they would go to other people in our community group. And we started seeing that even through the junior high and high school years. So by the time they got to college, we were always on mission for each other's kids. A great example is one of the, one of the kids was having a real tough time in college, really depressed, kind of that, who am I? Where am I? And the parents were going, we don't know what else to say to them. I raised my hand, got in a car, drove four hours, spent a day with them, loved on them, you know, had dinner, we were laughing, worked through some scripture of what he could be focusing on. And, uh, you know, those are the types of things we did regularly for one another. My kids often would go to my community groups as they got older and it bounced things off of saying, I'm, I'm not sure I want to tell my dad this. And they'd get the same answer they'd get from their dad. Mm-hmm. So we had to wagon circled. This progressed to the point where as our children came home, they would come home from college. David could probably remember some of this, because he was around just starting a start in the family. We started doing Friday night times together as a community group. That became a little bit of our social life. And our kids were so drawn to that that when they'd come home from college, they'd come and hang out with us before they'd even go see their other friends. And to this day, they still call, hey, is your group getting together on Friday night? Can we come by? So, it really has been a beautiful thing uh, that uh, God has uh, given the value of community to our children. Our, our, our kids are both in community groups like you guys here at Watermark and are, are thriving in them, working hard at them because they saw the value to their mother and father.
0: Yeah, so good. So, you know, I, I was talking to Scout yesterday about this and I'm like, man, that's such a great target for us just to go, man, what what would it look like, you know, for us and, and our families if our kids had that relationship with the, the men and the women that we're in community with? And obviously that comes through a lot of laying that foundation early on. And so I want to come back to that here in a minute. But, David, let, let's talk a little bit. I, I think uh, that second point of initiate and inquire, when, when I think about uh, how we as a family ministry and, and as we're thinking about parenting here at Watermark, uh, I think it is, I think parenting is that topic that is potentially one of the hardest things to initiate and inquire on. Uh, I think there's a lot of different reasons for that, but I learned a lot of my skill in that uh, today from you and Bo and just being in community with you guys and, and us just trying to learn that together. So talk to us a little bit more about how you've done that or how you've seen that done for you and just the fruit that it's bearing for
1: yeah. you. So you know, one of the things that, uh, if we're if we're all honest, you know, our kids, Sometimes we can have an unhealthy sense that our kids reflect our character. And so, if you have a child that's struggling, you can feel like they're struggling because I'm doing something wrong. And if it stirs up insecurities. You, you know, you, you might be with a, a family who's in a really great season with their kids. And so, the comparison game kicks in. And it can be hard to initiate in that context. And that's exactly what. Uh, the enemy wants us to do is to keep, is to pretend that everything is okay and that um, my life is great and my kids are just awesome. They're, you know, they're studying the Gospel of Mark and the Greek uh, manuscript and they've just memorized Leviticus and um, our family devotionals go about three hours long and as they sit quietly in my field. Like, well, that doesn't work. And so, what? Uh, I know, it that doesn't work for me. Yeah. And so, part of uh, initiating is, is coming to the conclusion that as a parent, I am called to shepherd my kids and success for me is faithfulness. As I mentioned, like, if God doesn't call my kids to them, um, like I, I, I can't manipulate them into the kingdom. I've had the conversations with my kids lately, like you're not gonna ride your mom and my coattails into the kingdom. You need to decide for yourself if you believe that this is true. And if you do believe it's true, then it ought to impact the way you live your life. But man, those insecurities. When I get, in a, you know, we're at the table and I've got Wagner and Fournette and buchek and Dean and, and I've got a kid that I'm, that I'm struggling with, that I'm really frustrated with and it can be easy to want them, and I don't want these guys to think I'm a terrible dad, or I don't know the answer to this question, or I'm not sure how to respond to this situation, and that keeps us quiet. And I've had conversations with guys lately, like, the best thing for us is to shine a light into the dark areas of my own soul, which has deep and dark recesses where anger and insecurity and lust and greed and pride still dwell and still fester and then my own insecurities about my kids. And so, man, it it is hard. And part of the way that makes it, so part of what will make that easier for the people in your group is if you can keep in mind, sin, convictions, and preferences, and you don't slap somebody's hand for something that they land differently than you on a topic where there's freedom. You know, if you just come hard of the hole on every topic, like who wants to, I'm not gonna wanna come to you because I'm gonna get pistol whipped every time I bring something up. If you'll meet people with grace and you'll recognize that there are different ways to do this, it makes it easier. But here's the deal. It is still on me to initiate. It's on me to bring my junk to the table, to bring my insecurities to my kid to the table. And that's hard. And you've just got to pray, God, give me grace, courage to come to these men, but it's, it is hard.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and I, I I loved what you said earlier, David, of just the really focusing on the heart of the parent. I mean, I think that's one of the things that, uh, again, when I just reflect on, uh, you and I both are are hotheads. We have a temper that, uh, you know, is is just kind of lurking there under the surface. And so I remember just those moments when kids were little, little, just infants, and they were just wearing us out at night. and And that anger is welling up inside of us. And we're just going, and I remember David, you know, shooting a text or picking up the phone, just going, hey man, I lost it, you know, again today. I'm just confessing to you guys, will you forgive me? And it freed me up. And so I think so often we're kind of waiting for someone to go first. And we just want to encourage you this morning, go first. Be the guy who goes, yeah, I'm a broken, messed up dad. Of course I am. We all are. And, and, and just to lead out in that and just the freedom that that uh, brings about in, in that community group.
1: So, yeah, and I would just say like for your kids, uh, I've had this conversation recently with my 16-year-old son because uh, he's in, a, in a, sh- a shoreline group. He's been with these guys for you know, since sixth grade. He's a sophomore now. And I'm like, hey, buddy. Have you brought this to your group, to your leaders and and he's struggling with being first because you know it sometimes it takes one domino to drop before everybody's like, "Oh okay, like you you too you know yeah and and so it's like we can be that first domino or we cannot
0: yeah, it's good so Mike, Adam, I'd love for you all just talk about we we talked the other day about just some of the fruit that you guys have seen of just keeping this dialogue open because I think that is. So often if we're not uh, putting it out there and saying, hey, can we talk about this thing in parenting and then we're, we're in danger of just forgetting about it altogether or ignoring it and just kind of living in isolation even as we're in community. And so talk a little bit, I know Mike, you shared you know, a story about just the time where that group kind of stepped in and saw some things that were happening, and gave you counsel. And then also just some of the benefits of really encouraging each other, because I do think as David was saying, sometimes we just feel like we're just getting you know, whiffed up the side of the head and, uh, and, and we need to encourage each other. So talk about that.
4: Yeah. So a recent example was kind of my middle son, just really feeling like he's got, he's our hardest. And, you know, like you were saying about, Hey, Texan confess, I blew up, you know, one of the things I think we lament as a group is we're not, we're not around each other all the time. And so we don't see those things. And so, you know, we've said this for a long time and regards to more than just parenting is that the the success of our group is predicated on self-disclosure and so we can only know most of the time probably 90 percent of the stuff that we're going to know is just from you telling us and not from (laughs) us seeing it now there has been times we've seen stuff in each other's lives say hey man i think that you being a little too harsh with with harper because you know she's 10 now and 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 he he could probably give her a little freedom there Um, there has been moments of that but you know recent example we were talking about is again this my, my son and and he's, he's the type of kid, I'll give you an example. Uh, we were FaceTiming with my parents uh, the other day and he was sta- I was sitting in a chair. He was standing next to me, literally. And our two-year-old daughter <laughs> kind of shimmies in between us and he just, drop of a hat, lost it. And that's very common for him is that it's going good, it's going good, it's going good. And then like something little happens and he just like... Um, and so I was kind of telling the guys about this. So I'm saying, hey, I'm not really sure how to handle this. I, I think there's something to do with me. Um, you know, you know and, and my response often would be like, bro, you got to calm it down right now, or I'm going to give you a spanking, or I'm going to make you do burpees, or I'm going to make you sit in the corner. Um <laughs> do burpees? That's yeah. awesome. You know what? Uh, God. And, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the higher, you know, like Ephesians 6, 4, don't exasperate your kids. And, you know, I, I, again, this is me. I'm telling this to the group. Say, hey, I think he does a lot better when my tone is calm and gentle. And I say, hey, man, come here. I mean, she didn't mean it. You know, she's too, let's just consider her better. And, and all those things which is a lot harder to do. So since then, you know, uh, you know, Adam kind of came in with the tangible, you know, his middle, he said, felt like they've had a similar issue and said, Hey, we've, you know, we try and do dates with the kids, but this middle kid, she gets a double date. Um, so it's kind of two to one. And because she just kind of needs, this, you know, middle kids kind of just get lost sometimes in the shuffle. Um, and so that was, again, just great tangible advice um, informed by scripture mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and practical. Hey, what, what have we have done that works? Um, And then Blake, the other guy in our group, he's like, hey, I'm going through this um, kind of theology basics for kids books with my son on Sunday. And so this was a little bit of a a dual discipleship. So he had his son call me and say, hey, is Elliot there? Would you want to come over and do this with me? Yes. Ride your bike down, bring your Bible. And so he just kind of did that Bible study with his kid and my kid at the same time. So uh, just a super Super blessing. So again, now that that's on the table, you know, when we meet together for guys', guys time for community group, they're asking, say, hey man, how you doing? How's Elliot doing? Uh, have you followed up on some of the things we've been talking about? And so there's some accountability there. There's certainly encouragement to say, hey, we're struggling with this the same way. And here's how we've had success. So that's just a real tangible recent example yeah. of what that's looked like in our group. That's so good. That's
0: good. Uh, so we've just got a couple of minutes left. Scott, I'd love for you just to share, uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, there's this great picture and this mm-hmm. aim and as you and I were talking yesterday, and this kind of goes with David's last point of just that, that idea of, are we supporting each other in prayer and do we know each other's kids mm-hmm. well enough to even know what to pray for? And so I know one of the dangers in community uh, you know, can just be, hey, I've got these couples, I gotta focus on Adam, I gotta focus on Mike. And you know, if there's these little you know, three foot versions of them running around. You know? And so talk to us about how you specifically let out in such a way that it, it really did set the stage for the relationship that you have with those kids today where you're leading their foundation groups and performing their weddings and, and all that?
2: Uh, <clears throat> great question. I think part of this, uh, I am I'm grateful. I, have a, I came to know Christ through uh, Young Life. And so I learned ministry to be relational, uh, that you don't see life transformed through a program. You see it life on life where you introduce Christ And there's nothing greater than loving the kids in your family. I have said for the better part of my adult years, and many of you would contend that I've not had many of those, (laughs) uh, chronological adult years, that the best way to love me is to love my children. Well, if that's true about me, that's what I'm going to do about you and your children, and in particular and specifically about our community group. The way I was going to communicate that I cared about the couples that were in my group is I was going to love their children, and uh, you know, it's one of the first things I do. If I would go into the Leventhal household, I don't, I don't play adult. I, I go in and, you know, you crouch down, depending on what age they are, and, and make them feel comfortable that Daddy's friends are there, and uh, and they begin to trust you like they do family um, through those years. So we, when we first started doing our community stuff, our our big outings, were doing a lot of. Uh, you know, camp outs to state parks and stuff where it just didn't cost anything, because we, frankly, a lot of us didn't have anything when we were, you know, getting out of school and getting family started. But we did a lot of stuff like that. And so when we would play like that, I would spend as much time with everybody else's kids as I would my own. And so there was almost, a, you know, I don't want to call it a Pied Piper, but I was encouraging all the guys to feel that way about each other's kids. And so before long, what you saw was a great investment where we were a team investing in all of the children. And so that really became the pattern. When you'd come to my house, they wouldn't ignore that the kids were in the other room. You'd go into the other room for a minute and go, hey guys, what's going on? What are you watching? What are you up to doing homework? And you would take that minute to make them feel valued that they, that the segregation between children and parents, the church was for the big, big kid, big people. And the kids were just to be tolerated until such time they were invited into that world. They began to grow into that world to by the time they were teenagers and stuff they, it was connecting. And then college were wonderful years for us and how they'd bring friends home and they would meet our community group. It was it was crazy. We had a very unique privilege of loving on a lot of folks. And that, that did lead into all the people, uh, all of our kids that are still in Dallas, all their foundation groups were led by somebody else in our community group. All of their two-on-two counseling for marriage were done by people in our community group. And we just cross-pollinated and... Uh, and we're, we're thrilled because it was at their request. Mm-hmm. And we saw that as the really sweet fruit from yeah. the community.
0: So good. You know, I, uh, Scott alluded to what I think is uh, an overlooked secret, I think, in uh, children's spiritual development. And that is just the, the, uh, the principle of fun. You know, that the, the Christian life is an attractive, exciting fun life. And uh, and so, you know, to do something as simple as just getting down on their level, talking to them, playing a game with them or, or, you know, whatever, as another adult is just another layer that leads to them going, hey, I'm coming home from college. I want to come hang out with mom and dad and their friends on a Friday night, as opposed to, you know, going to see a movie with my friends, uh, you know, right away. And so, man, I, I just want to encourage you. These are um, uh, really, uh, golden opportunities that we have as dads to foster within our kids a love for the church. And the church, sometimes we can just think, you know, uh, the, the D-Town explosion, you know, like, like you saw perhaps on the screen this past weekend and just this amazing party. And yet the church that our children are going to be most attracted to is the church that is within our own community group. It's going to have the most significant impact in their life, and their own community group. And so that's why we wanted to spend some time this month talking about that. So what I'd love to do now is just give you some time to talk about this at your tables with your your, uh, uh, group leaders that are there. Thank these guys, would you, with me? Let's take the next next 30 minutes or so, spend some time at your tables, and I'll come back up and wrap this up here right at eight o'clock. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Hey, if I can, uh, we're going to wrap up here. It's just about 8 o'clock. Hey, a couple of things just to uh, uh, wrap up our time together. First of all, um, let me just encourage you that uh, I, I know there's maybe some of you in the room who are not in the community right now, or you're looking for a new community group or whatever. And so our community team does a fantastic job of helping you and supporting you as you get into uh, community group. And so community formation is every Sunday morning at nine o'clock over in the East Tower. And so you can go online and, and check that out uh, on the website, but let me just encourage you if you need to take that step uh, to do it. And then, uh, you know, our, our community team is continuing, I think this week. As a matter of fact, I think we're going to be talking more about community uh, on Saturday and Sunday during our services. So be on the lookout for that. So, uh, And then uh, let me just encourage you, another opportunity for you guys this week is Thursday night uh, is our first uh, kind of parenting conversations. This is just a time where we want to take uh, relevant topics that are important for us as dads and as moms to lead in and have these conversations and just make sure that we are sharpening our own hearts and minds in that. And so this uh, Thursday night at seven o'clock in the loft, just next door, uh, the elders... Uh, uh, David and Bo and Todd and their wives and um, uh, myself and David Peniel uh, from our student ministry. We're just going to be talking about this. If you have kids in our junior high ministry, uh, I think you'll get an email today giving you a heads up, hey, they're, they're going to be talking about sex at Wake uh, for the next three or four weeks. Uh, and so uh, if the first time your kids hear about sex is from Sean Hill and Wake, uh, you've missed an opportunity, Okay. <laughs> Not because Sean's not going to do a great job Sean if you're here that was no knock on you uh, but uh, because you want to be uh, the foremost authority on this and so we want to equip you for those conversations that happens this Thursday night at seven o'clock we do not have kids ministry available for that uh, and so find a babysitter uh, get here or send one or the other of a, a spouse uh, to come be a part of it we are going to try to put this online on the at uh, Facebook live that night and so uh, you'll hear more info about that so if you're just not able to be here, you can't find childcare uh, for that evening, then you can um, uh, follow along with us that evening. And of course, as always, we'll put all this stuff on our Watermark Family podcast. So uh, make sure that you're subscribed to that. You'll get Dad You content, The Nest, you get to hear from some of those moms, as well as we're hoping some new content that's going to be coming out this year on the Watermark Family podcast. So Um, Lastly, uh, if you didn't get a name tag when you checked in, that means we don't know that you're here. And so if you will make sure you take, uh, if you did get a name tag, that you take that uh, that second tag, put it on the sheet. Leaders, if you will, turn those in back here at our table uh, when you leave. That would be great. And uh, that will give your leaders a chance to follow up with you guys this week. If you didn't get a name tag, you can just write in. Just give them a name and an email address. Write that in for us, and uh, we'd love to, to stay in touch. So thank you guys for being here this morning. Let me pray for us, and then uh, let, we'll be done for this morning. Father, thank you once again for uh, just the the gift that it is to be called your child, um, to be able to look to a perfect father, to see the way that you've loved us, to see the way that you've designed our lives and this world and uh, and just to see your hand in all of it. And Father, we want to reflect you back to our children as best we can and as imperfectly as we will. And so Lord, we ask that you would use this time this morning, the conversations around the table, the things that we've heard from David and the other panelists, Father, will you use those things just to sharpen us, to make us more like you, Jesus. And, uh, and Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you that we don't have to do this thing alone, that we were intended to be in community with one another and uh, and to uh, be able to rely on each other and to to raise our kids together in a way that uh, allows them to see that this faith that dad has is not just dad's faith. It is a faith that has marked many of the men and women that uh, surround, um, surround them. And so, Father, I pray that uh, you would strengthen our community groups, that you would... Uh, Keep us from the temptation to uh, just live in pretension with one another and to not be honest and real about the difficulties we're having, the, the challenges that we're having. And so, Father, help us to live in the light in this particular area in a way that would bring healing and transformation in our homes. So, Father, thank you for these men and for their willingness to be here this morning. Bless their families, and we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.